This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for the week two recap of the 2021 college football season. Really, really good week here in college football. Very surprising week. Um, If you're excited about the channel, excited about the podcast, make sure to like, hit the subscribe button, make sure to follow on whatever podcast platform you like to listen to. We're going to go right in. I'm not going to talk a lot about what went right or what went wrong, because quite honestly, there was only one pick I made that went really, really wrong. And I bet you can guess which one it was. It was a, it was a quack attack, if you know what I mean. Went 13-1 on picks. The one, of course, being the Ducks over the Bucks, being the one wrong one. I am 25-4 and four on the season. Uh, although if we're talking about against the spread, it'd be a little worse. Not, not too concerned about that, though. I'm not, I'm not betting on any games here, and I'm not trying to help anyone else bet on any games. But just so you get a sense of what we're going to do today, we're going to go through my first Big Ten power rankings. We're going to do that after I talk a little bit about what surprised me this week. Uh, and then we're going to talk about this question, which I think a lot of people are asking, is Ohio State still the cream of the crop in the Big Ten? Is this the year that they're unseated? Do they even make the Big Ten championship game this year? And then we're going to finish with the top 10, my, my top 10, which looks a lot different than last week. Quite honestly, after the top five or six teams, I'm asking the question, does anyone want to be in the top 10? I don't think anyone wants to be in the top 10, guys. It's a hot mess. I'm just saying it's a hot mess in the top 10 right now. So let, let's just dive right in. Things I was surprised by. I thought Penn State would struggle more after an emotional win against Wisconsin last week. You know, it was one of the first, if not the first, ranked win on the road for James Franklin. I thought his team would struggle. Ball State, I know they're a MAC team, but they're a pretty good MAC team. They were ranked at the end of last year. So I was surprised that they won by 31 points. They were dominant against the run. They, they held Ball State's 2.7 yards per carry. So really good against Ball State. I am concerned moving forward. They have struggled in the running game, especially up the middle. They did get Clifford going a little bit. I think he had 66 yards on 11 carries. So they got the quarterback run game going, but they've got a tough game coming against Auburn. And so I think that run game is going to really come into play for them. Nebraska was better than I expected against what I think is an underrated Buffalo team. I don't think it will save them against the, the, uh, the juggernaut that is Oklahoma. I think that's going to be really tough for them, but I thought it was a solid win 
for a team that really needs to build confidence. And I, I'm not sure what to expect out of the Cornhuskers next week. I, I think they're going to lose. And we'll talk about that later this week and the week three picks. But I am not, I, I'm not sure it's going to be as big of a blowout. We'll see. We'll see. It's very possible that maybe Scott Frost has built a little bit of false confidence because, you know, it's Fordham and Buffalo. It's let's, let's be honest. It's not anyone big, but let's see how they do against the Sooners. I'm curious to see whether Adrian Martinez has progressed since that week one disaster against the Illini. Indiana bounced back in a big way. I know it was Idaho, but I, I had some concerns about whether their defense would come to play against a, a, an Idaho team that can score. They, they kept them to 14 points. They scored 56. And now they get a really tough opponent in Cincinnati. I think that's going to be a tough test for them. I am really curious to see how that game plays out. I think it's on at 12 o'clock. I, I think it's on ABC. But that should be a really fascinating game to see how Indiana plays against an, a Cincinnati team that continues to build momentum. Uh, and I'm, we're going to talk about them a little later in the podcast here. Michigan surprised me. Now, I, I want to be very clear because I, I was surprised mostly by the score, but I think the score is misleading. So I want you to, to consider this. They were almost even in first downs. Michigan had one more first down than Washington. They were, they were only separated by one less third down conversion. I think Michigan was seven of 16 and Washington was seven of 17. So first downs and third down efficiency were almost the same. Uh, Michigan only had 50 more total yards. But, and this is where I think it's a, it's a huge but, it's clear that the line play was far superior for Michigan than it was Washington. Michigan had over 300 yards running and they held Washington to 63 yards. I think, I think they, they held them to under three yards per carry, which was huge. And, and so that's why the score was what it was. It was 31 to 10. They, they really limited Washington's run game forced Dylan Morris, the the freshman quarterback for Washington to try to beat them through the air and couldn't do it. So it was a solid win for Michigan. It was certainly not what I expected out of them at the beginning of the season. My one concern, and I think it's a huge concern is as great as Michigan's run game was Cade McNamara was seven of 15 for 44 yards. That's not going to cut it in the big 10, not with some of the teams in the East that they have to deal with. They're going to need to get better, um, but they did run for over 300 yards. Blake Corum was a stud, three touchdowns in that game. Impressed that they could put away Washington the way they did. They really, they really restricted them, held them uh, in that game, 31 to 10. Really surprised that they they pulled out a three touchdown win against them. I I was shocked by the Ohio State game. Shocked by it, and we'll we'll d- dive into this more. But the, the one thing, when I heard that Kayvon Thibodeau was out, I texted to a friend, Ohio State's going to run at will on this team. They're not going to be able to stop him. They're not going to be able to slow him down. And it, you couldn't be further from the truth. 
on both sides of the offensive line, Ohio State got beat. And I was shocked by that. That really surprised me. The score of that game was not indicative of how much Oregon dominated that game. And it was without Oregon's top two defenders, or at least two of their best defenders. Obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau is there is the best defender in the country. And then no Justin Flo, one of their top three or four defenders. That really surprised me how Ohio State couldn't run the ball and how they couldn't stop the run. I don't think CJ Verdell is as good as Ibrahim. I don't, I don't, I didn't think their offensive line was as good as Minnesota's. And I was, I was obviously wrong on that, at least for this week. And then last but not least, Iowa's defense, we knew they were good. I, I was skeptical of how good they were because Indiana, as, as good as Indiana might be, Indiana is, is honestly a one-dimensional offense in a lot of ways. They, they can't run the ball as well as most teams. They really have to rely on the dynamic playmaking of their quarterback, Michael Penix. And so the fact that Iowa's defense showed out again and, you know, they, they picked off Michael Penix three times and now they picked off Brock Purdy three times. And Penix is a decent quarterback. I don't know how like how high level he is Brock Purdy I felt was a step up and the fact that they forced him into three interceptions was insanely good like just really really good by Iowa's defense and the fact that really that game against the Cyclones felt over at the start of the fourth quarter I thought it would be back and forth I thought Iowa would have to really make make a couple of late game plays to, to come away with the win. It was over by the beginning of the fourth quarter. So I, I, I'm really curious how they do moving forward. I, I think they play Maryland later in the season. They play Purdue obviously, and they play Penn state. I'm really intrigued to see how their defense holds up against more explosive receivers on the outside because that's the one thing they haven't faced yet. As good as Iowa State is, they don't have any explosion on the perimeter. It, it, it's more they have really good running backs or they have a dynamic playmaker in the backfield at quarterback. Uh, and obviously Iowa State has Charlie Kolar at tight end, who's, who's a stud. So that, I'm curious to see how Iowa's defense stock, stacks up with athleticism on the outside. But... Iowa probably has the best resume out of anyone in college football right now. And that means a lot, which that that'll get me right into my big 10 power rankings. This is the first big 10 power rankings of uh, this podcast, this show of 2021. I waited a couple of weeks to, to put this together because I really wanted to get a sense of where teams are at. And I'm just going to go right, right down the line from one to 14. My number one team's Iowa. I think they have the best resume in college football. Their defense has six interceptions in two games against two pretty good quarterback, uh, two pretty good quarterbacks. And I'm not so sure that they're going to face better quarterbacks right now than Brock Purdy and Michael Penix. M maybe Talia Tagovailoa, maybe Sean Clifford. You know, if they would get Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, which I'm not even sure they will. You know, maybe CJ Straddle improve to be a, a higher level quarterback. I'm not sure, but Iowa has been 
great over the past two weeks. And I'm not sure they're going to face a better quarterback right now, at least in the Big Ten. So I have Iowa number one, Penn State number two. They need to shore up the running game, uh, but they have a really good win against Wisconsin in Camp Randall. And now they have a big test against Auburn. And, And it's an Auburn team that we don't really know about yet. And they've scored big wins, but it's been against Akron and against an FCS team that's that's not very good. I I'm excited to break this game down more later this week, but I I really like this Penn State team. I think they are right now the number two team in the Big Ten, and I think they're just a, a couple steps below Iowa. Right now, I have Iowa at number one simply because they have the best wins. So Iowa one, Penn State two, Ohio State three. Major question marks on the lines as they were dominated by a shorthanded duck squad. Their, their back seven is, is an absolute disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Uh, they have uh, the next two games to really sort things out. Will they, will they experiment? Will they get their best 11 on the field? Uh, they have a couple games where they can do that in Tulsa and Akron. And then things start to get a little bit more real. Number four, I have Michigan. I'm not very confident in in Michigan at four, but I do think that win against Washington means something, even if it is a Washington team that lost to Montana the week before. I think Washington is better than that. I think they have a a good roster. I I just think they're young. The the big question is, was that 44-yard passing day a fluke, or is it a sign of struggles to come? Number five is Wisconsin. Defense is really good, but Graham Mertz needs to take more of a step as a passer. They have a bye this week. Number six, Maryland. Explosive on offense, but can they avoid the typical head-scratching loss or string of losses? They, they get Illinois this week. They should beat them, but will they? Or will they let the success of a 2-0 and start get to their heads? Number seven is Michigan State. Great opportunity to show that they've made a significant stride as they play Miami this week. They, they just had a second back over 100 yards. Will they be able to continue to establish the run against a, a step up in competition here? Number eight is Purdue. Dominant win against UConn like they should have. Now they get a struggling Notre Dame team who struggled against Toledo. Can they make the next leap as a program and beat Notre Dame. I think that's going to be a tough game for them, but we'll see. I I thought Notre Dame was really good, and then seeing them struggle and seeing Florida State lose to to Jacksonville State, this this could be prime opportunity for the Boilermakers to to really make uh, a claim that that they are on the right trajectory under Jeff Brom. Number nine is Indiana. Bounce back win against Idaho was nice, you know, keeping the Vandals' potent offense to, to 14 points. Now is the real test. Hoosiers versus Bearcats this Saturday. I think this is a pivotal game for Tom Allen to, to kind of stay on the trajectory that they want to be in. Number 10 is Rutgers. Really good start to the season for that for them by their standards. They do play a sneaky good team in Delaware this week. So they need to stay alert, but I think they will get to 3-0 and this week after uh, this game against uh, the Blue Hens. Number 11 is Minnesota really struggled more than I thought they would against Miami of Ohio only one by five. And now they, they play color Colorado. 
that's going to be a tough game. Colorado ran the ball well against Texas A&M, only lost by three. Nebraska is at 12. I think Buffalo is a good win for them, but they play Oklahoma this week, and I think Oklahoma is going to be a real sobering wake-up call for them. 13 Northwestern really struggled offensively against a weak Indiana State team, and I'm not sure how they're going to do against Duke. As bad as Duke has been this season, I think this is going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough game for Northwestern. And then Illinois, I have at 14, they're one and two. I thought they would be at least competitive against Virginia, but they were beat pretty handily. So that's my, my big 10 power rankings. As, as we get to kind of analyze that I have Ohio state at three and it, I think it really begs the question is Ohio state still the cream of the crop in the big 10. And I think the answer is a firm maybe, which I know people will be like, well, make up your mind. Are they, are they, or are they not? Here's the reality. Oregon is not a top five team, despite the fact that they're going to be in the top five of my top 10 because they've earned it. But in terms of talent, they are not a top five team. They didn't have Kayvon Thibodeau. They didn't have Justin Flo. And yet Ohio State lost by a touchdown and that game was worse than the score uh, showed. And you might think, well, Ohio State had over 600 yards. Yes, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't make defensive adjustments. They lost Josh Proctor for the season. And now they have to rely on a, on a three-star safety in Bryson Shaw, who quite honestly can't play. And that's no disrespect to Bryson Shaw, but he was out of position all game. And when he was in position, he was too slow. This is Ohio State. And they have a safety who can't play. Their linebacker, their senior linebackers were stuck in mud all game. Couldn't make good reads. And I'm not so sure they have answers on the defensive line. The offensive line was supposed to be all world and they couldn't stop a routine running play. They couldn't, they couldn't get penetration up the middle most of the time. Now, Teron Vincent had a decent game, but I can't, I can't tell you how many times they ran a simple dive play up the middle and it was at least four yards. On the other side of the ball, you have, you have to throw 54 times or 57 times. I forget how many times that CJ Stroud threw. And I get that you have the best receivers in college football, but you have a freshman at quarterback and you can't rely on the running game. Ohio state's in trouble. And if they can't make adjustments, they're going at least nine and three this season or 10 and three, if they get to the big 10 championship game. But I, I, I don't see how Ohio State at this juncture can be considered the top team in the Big Ten. And I I say that knowing that they are by far the most talented team. They're by far the most talented team. But Oregon's, Oregon's personnel is not, it's not world beaters. So... I get that Oregon, they had a good offensive line and they had a good defensive line. 
CJ Verdell, he's got a little bit of giddy up, but there's other backs that are better in the Big Ten. Johnny Johnson is a is a decent receiver. How's Ohio State going to do against Demas and Jarrett at Maryland? Parker Washington and J- Jahan Dotson at Penn State. How are they going to do against uh, Fry Fogel at Indiana? David Bell, Purdue. They have got to get their act together. Otherwise, they are going to get beat, and they are not even going to make the Big Ten championship game. And in terms of the playoff, I've heard a lot of people say, well, this could be like 2014. The reality is they have a lot of work to do before they even get close. And I don't know if they have the personnel on defense to replace the guys there to make them good enough on that side of the ball. And that's not even talking about the quarterback. CJ Stroud right now is not the guy. I thought he, I thought he made some good throws, but he made some poor decisions. He didn't run when he needed to, to, to get first downs and he missed throws late. And it was some of the same stuff we saw against Minnesota. And if if you say, well, but he's only two games in yes, but these are routine plays that he has to make. They missed too many fourth downs. He made too many mistakes that got them into trouble. He threw high too many times again. And he's got to be better. And so right now, you know, is Ohio State still the team to beat in the Big Ten? I don't think so. Because I think if you put Ohio State versus Iowa this uh, this upcoming week, I think Iowa wins by a couple touchdowns. I think if you put them against Penn State this week, I think Penn State beats them by a couple touchdowns. I'm not sure they get past Maryland in week six. And maybe that's the pessimist in me as a fan, but I think there's a lot of skill that they have to deal with and a lot of toughness on the lines. And they looked soft this past week. What are they going to do with Kenneth Walker at Michigan state? Right. There's a lot of people, a lot of personnel that I am concerned about with this Buckeye team. And so I don't have them in my top 10 this week. I think people need to realize Ohio state's very vulnerable and it's, it's part personnel a lot of it's coaching and scheme. I think Kerry Coombs has a lot of questions that he needs to answer. And I think Ryan Day, I think the honeymoon is over. Listen, Ryan Day, I think, has been great for Ohio State these first couple of years. It's gut check time. Does he make the necessary adjustments that he has not had to make because he had the security blanket of Justin Fields the past two years? Or does he kind of stubbornly forge his way like urban Meyer did the last few years of his tenure. I, I am, I am projecting at least one or two more losses for the Buckeyes this season. And I, I don't think, you know, I had them the number one seed in my uh, initial rankings, uh, initial playoff rankings. I, I don't think the playoff is even a consideration right now. They have too many questions, too many too many holes right now on both sides of the ball. And I can't believe I'm saying that because if you look at how they've recruited, they, they, on paper, they should be leaps and bounds ahead of everybody 
they, they I thought they were going to smash Oregon when I found out about Kayvon Thibodeau being out. So I, I'm very skeptical about Ohio state moving forward. I think they, they end up nine and three probably miss out on a new year's six bowl game. And I think, I think this is the year that either Iowa or Penn state really gets up there. And right now, you know, Michigan state is another team that I'm just looking at. I'm like, man, they look, they look really good. I know they've only beaten Youngstown state and Northwestern, but I, I think this is, this could be a year where, you know, one of those teams and maybe even Michigan comes up and gets them. So is Ohio state still the cream of the crop in the big 10? I don't think so. Not this year. Now we'll see at week six, week seven, if they turn the corner, but right now I'm selling, I'm selling stock of the Buckeyes. Uh, lastly, top 10, uh, the teams who just missed the cut, Ohio state and Texas A&M and Notre Dame. Uh, I'm, I'm selling those teams right now. They looked really bad. All three of them did this, this past week. Uh, my top 10 at number 10, I have Virginia tech. They have a win over UNC and that's impressive. They turned Sam Howell over three times. Really, really nice win. I have UCLA at nine big win, win against LSU. I know LSU may not be that good, but I, I like UCLA. I think they're physical on both lines, lines of scrimmage. Number eight, Cincinnati. Listen, nobody wants to be in the top 10 right now. USC lost, Texas lost, uh, Ohio State lost, Texas A&M, Texas A&M and Notre Dame wanted to lose. Cincinnati is, they've got a nasty defense. They have a good running back. Desmond Ritter is playing with his hair on fire. I've got them at eight. Penn State, seven. Still love their defense. Really love their defense. Clemson at six. Their D-line is, is nasty. And I know their offense isn't great. But again, I, I think Clemson probably beats everybody else behind them uh, besides the top five. Top f- uh, At number five, I have Iowa. And I know you might think, you think Clemson's going to beat Iowa? Listen, this defense is nasty. And I'm not sure Clemson has the horses to, to exploit maybe the lack of athleticism on, on Iowa's defense. I love Iowa. They're great, and they have the best resume right now. Number four is Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma. I think, I think they're going to continue to progress. Oregon at number three, just on the virtue that they beat Ohio State. I'm not sure I believe in Oregon as the number three team in the country. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the next couple of weeks because I'm just not sure that they are, are actually as good as maybe people think they are. Number two, I have Georgia. Number one, I have Alabama. Nothing to change that. And that is the week two recap. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. And again, please leave a review, please share. We'd love to get more support, listener support for, uh, for the podcast. If you really enjoy it, share it with someone that you know loves Big Ten football. Thanks for listening. Remember to like and subscribe. This is Zach Guggenheim for the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. So long and God bless.